got to tell you folks, I can't dance, but if I were to dance, it would be to that music. And when you hear that music, when you know it's Thursday, you know by definition it's 1046. I'm Guy Adami, joined as always by my dear friend Dan Nathan. Today's episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, Plural, FactSet, Financial Data and Analytics, powered by Tomorrow, and of course, Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. We're going to do a macro call, a couple single stock research calls, chart of the week, one for the road, all in 14 minutes. Dan, I'm fired up. How are you today? I'm doing great, Guy Dami. I mean, we're just seeing a sea of red out there in the equity markets, but not a whole heck of a lot. Not the sort of volatility that one might expect after such a big run in the markets over the first half of the year. We got earnings season underway, and it seems like macro is still dominating too, though, Guy. And and, and when you think about it, we had a bunch of uh, bank earnings, all seemed pretty reasonable. Wasn't a lot of exciting action here, but we're starting to see some movement in tech that that's moved up a lot too. So I think that's one that we're going to hit in a little bit. We got a lot to talk about. Now, there are a few people out there that when they say things, when they make comments, you you really want to take notice, take mm-hmm. heed. You want to do one of these things. See what I'm doing here, Dan? I'm putting my uh, hand I, to I my do. ear. I do. And one of those cats is Larry Fink. And let's just slide it, Earl, because he just gave this little inflation warning. I don't know. Maybe he watches Fast Money. I'm not sure. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. But he says he's worried about inflation, not going to be transitory. Look, it ain't 1970s, but it's going to be damn close. And I happen to agree with him. He also said the Fed's going to have to change their policy, change your tune. Like, remember in, in, in Rocky Three, they, they said change your tune when they were playing that Rocky theme with the violin. Yeah. Well, that's what Larry Fink is saying now. I happen to agree with him. I'm sure you have used as well, but I think this is an interesting call to talk about. I, I think it's anything but interesting. I mean, I, oh. I, I I enjoy the opportunity to talk about it because I just think it's just part of that whole transitory tantrum that we were talking about over the last couple of months in the pundit class here. He's just kind of re-echoing that chorus. I, I mean, listen, I, I'm looking at an article in the Wall Street Journal from this morning. Many jobs lost during the coronavirus pandemic just aren't coming back. They're talking about automation. They're talking about Raytheon. They they furloughed 4,500 contract workers. None of them are going to come back due to some of their processes that they have automated. So if you're worried about wage inflation, you know, I, I just don't see that as really sticking. And then we're going to talk about some of the other costs that are going up as it relates to inputs. And I think they have a lot to do with the bottlenecks, as your boy Jay Powell likes to call them, um, as a result of the pandemic. I just, listen, guys, pre-pandemic, we were fighting for higher inflation. I don't know why the pandemic and and I, I listen, I get the distortions. I get all of it. But at some point in the not-so-distant future, we're going to be back to wishing we had 2% inflation yeah, on the upside. No, it's, it's interesting. And, and that's that's why that's where we diverge. That's yeah. where we become two ships that we're passing in the night and we're going <laughs> in different directions. One's dogging this. You know the whole dog thing yeah. the guy in the middle. But what I'll say is this. That's why the Fed can't win this. And they're going to continue to throw money at this. And they're, by definition, going to create a problem. They're fighting a battle they can't win. Technology, to your point about Raytheon and all these other companies, the biggest deflationary force in the history of mankind with probably the biggest in, uh, technology innovative period in the history of our country. Yeah. And they're fighting against something that they can't win. You have deflation on one side. You have inflation in all the wrong places on the other. They're going to continue to throw money. Then they're going to get runaway inflation, in my opinion, and they're not going to put that genie back in the bottle. But that's for another show, for another time. I just think that Larry Fink's comments are interesting. He is the CEO of BlackRock, which has like, you know, 
$100 trillion or some yeah. ridiculous number under management. But let's talk about our first call today because I know this is one that's near and dear to your heart, Dan. You have like every Apple phone. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we do that S&P 500 chart, we have to look at this. This yeah. is a hungry alligator. Let's just talk about it quickly. Yeah, no, you see that steep uptrend. Um, you know, it broke out uh, about a month and a half ago. It's up about 5 or 6% from there. It's levitating. A large part of the outperformance in the large caps has to do with that FMAGA complex, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon. We know that Apple and Amazon broke out last week to new all-time highs. They've been going sideways since last September. Um, you know, that's nearly $8.5 trillion of market cap dragging the, the market cap weighted S&P up. It is important. Important to note that the equal weighted S&P, the RSP, has not made a new high. So keep an eye on that trend line. And I know guy down there somewhere near 3,900. 200-day um, moving average. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just say one thing. I know we're going to go to the NDX real quickly, the NASDAQ 100. I'll let you speak to that. But the last time that the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield was 1.3, I think that was in February. Well, you know where the S&P 500 was? 3,900. Yeah. yeah. Ish, ish. Is that right? Ish. ish. Move Look it. At Let's you. move it. I'm Let's in your head. NDX. Go to the Nadex. Look, this is one, this is to me is the most fascinating chart out of all of them. Why? Because we have a huge slew of earnings the end of the month of July. The, you know, your F mega complex is going to report. Stocks have been all breaking out to the upside mostly. And this chart is acted in kind. One has to wonder, though, have these stocks gotten ahead of themselves and what's going to happen if they come in line or even, God forbid, they miss what happens? Well, I think what happens is we take a look at that 200 day moving average, Dan which that horizontal red line is it just it just remarkably coincides with. Yeah, and it also coincides, Guy, with those March lows. And I think it's really important to, to look at that. I mean, in, in mid-March, I mean, the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ 100 was unchanged on the year. A lot of stocks were correcting here, and it seems like we've had – a lot of those high growth names run really hard. Some of them, many of them, like Zoom up 50% from their May lows. Um, if those were to turn and then some of these uh, mega cap or super cap, whatever you want to call them names, they've also run. If the results just aren't good enough, then you might see a pullback, at least in the 200 day, which is somewhere, um, you know, at like 13.5 or so. And then maybe that 200 is in play. Slide it, Earl, because we have to take a look at treasuries to everything turn, turn. Well, have treasuries and interest rates turned to the upside or are they going to crash through that trend line and the 200-day moving average? Ecclesiastes, for you playing our home game, uh, I know what you think, Dan. What I'll tell you is this. I do think rates are going higher. I think that upward sloping 200-day moving average suggested that was Chris Verone's work a week or so ago on Fast Money. What say you here in the 10-year? Yeah, I think that um, we're going to be contending with that 200-day moving average. I think it was too simple that it bounced there last week. I know a lot of people who are calling for higher rates said, all right, we're going to get some support there. It happened. A lot of people who are bearish on rates said it's going to go there. Um, I suspect if we go through there, one, two, four or so, we're headed back to 1%. And I suspect equity markets don't like that. And we're going to have some reverberations across risk assets. And that could be the catalyst for um, you know, S&P and NASDAQ to correct some bit Listen, here's the thing, dude. Complacency is really high. You, Expectations you are really high. I you did do it. Um, and I just feel like we're probably due because um, I think the bank stocks told us, or at least the re reaction to earnings, is that Q2 might have been as good as it gets for a while because the second half recovery might be a bit spotty here. Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson, if memory serves. So I got ahead of myself. I apologize. <laughs> that was my fault, my bad. But the first chart and the first call we want to look at is your, you love this. You love the Apple, Dan. And finally, J.P. Morgan makes it their top pick. 
Yeah. Overweight, $175 price target. You can read the reasons why. Give me your two cents. I'll give you mine. Yeah, I'll just say this. You know, the stock just broke out. It's just gained a half a trillion dollars in market cap since mid-May. Expectations are getting high. There were calls um, that they might build 90, um, you know, I, I mean, like some ridiculous number, 90 million iPhones um, this year. Stocks run ahead of that. I'll just tell you this. If you get by 2021 and I look at EPS um, estimates for 2022 and 2023, you're looking at low single digit growth and the same for sales, maybe four to five percent stock trading about 28 times. And if you're going to tell me, well, this is all about services, I'm not so excited about the services growth in the high teens um, or so. And, and have you noticed this guy? People aren't talking about 5G anymore. Remember, that was a big thing pre-pandemic. Well, you're not hearing a whole heck of a lot about it. So I think this stock has run before results. I'm not a buyer into the print. They report on July 27th. It's what multiple you want to give them. As Dan mentioned, services revenue last quarter with 20%. By the way, and I know you know this, the revenue number last quarter of $89 billion just blew out of the water. Street expectations of about $77 billion. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy good quarter, but the stock sort of failed. Here we are today. We printed 150 The average price target, I think, is 157 or so, according to FactSet. High in the street, 185. I do think that's Morgan Stanley. You see the horizontal line. We're through it. You see every time we've traded down to the 200-day, we've held. One has to wonder, though, this run-up into earnings, is that a good setup or a bad setup? I would submit it's probably eerily reminiscent of what we've seen before. I think the stock rallies into earnings. I think it fails once we get there, Dan Nathan. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, let's go to another. Um, it's kind of a related call. This is over at Citigroup. They upgrade AMD and they go from a neutral or to Hold a on neutral a second. from Just a Just one second, because yeah. I'm not looking to crush City, yeah. but the price target they had prior to this $95 price target was $17, one seven, 17. <laughs> the last time AMD saw 17 was on my birthday, which is December in 2018. So you know, I'm not looking to crush anybody here, but about freaking time. Anyway, they go to mm -hmm. neutral from sell. So if you've been looking to sell this thing for the last three years, it's been a miserable trade. And here we are in the earnings, I also believe, on the 27th. I'm sorry, Dan, please continue. Yeah, no, but they're talking about, I mean, these are the things that their checks are finally indicating accelerating, uh, accelerating growth in the server market. Um, I mean, come on, this has been the whole story for AMD for the last couple of years and specifically taking market share um, versus Intel. Um, the stock did have a nice little run here. You know, guy in May, it was in the, it was in the mid to low 70s. It got as high as maybe 95 to their price target um, just a couple of weeks ago. So again, I'm just not in the camp where you want to be buying these after huge rips here. I just don't see we're going to, I don't think we're going to see the sort of guidance that justifies a breakout of a range that goes back now almost a year. But it brings me to Taiwan Semiconductor, the largest component in the in the SMH, the ETF that tracks um, the Semiconductor Index. This one's down a lot today, guy. It's down like five and a quarter. The mm -hmm. company reported better than expected sales, but their margins were weak for a whole host of reasons that you might expect them. We know that there's huge bottlenecks as it relates to um, supply. We know that they are the manufacturer basically to the world here. You know, this this chart, I just want to go to the Taiwan semi chart real quickly here. Which we that have. Making... I mean, that's it right there, man. Look, yeah. 142 in March, all-time high. It's traded yep. miserably since. 
But you know what? I think what you're about to say is the setup is great. I happen to agree with you. I'm sorry, Dan. I didn't mean to steal your thunder, but please continue. Not at all. I mean, listen, our beautiful fact set chart, it tells the picture here, holding that uptrend, holding that 200-day moving average. I want to buy the pullback. Here's the good thing about earnings season two, Guy, as you know, and many of our viewers know, is that, listen, this is four times a year. You get the opportunity to hear the company, what happened in the rearview mirror and what they think might happen in the next few months or the next six months or so. So now that this stock broke out in anticipation of their earnings it's pulled back to that downtrend as long as it holds that uptrend i think i want to be a buyer here because i'm thinking that some of these bottlenecks about supply are going to get fixed and maybe the expectations for margins are low enough and this sets up well for a second half story retaking those prior highs the other point i'll just make is the Sox guy also guided by nvidia which you have been pounding the table for hundreds of points you know that thing has been leading the way the socks or the smh is up about 18 percent of the year this thing up about half that i listen i would say i agree with you on this one real quick about amd lisa sue the ceo i think she's one of the probably the most underrated ceos in the country i think you're gonna hear a lot more about her in the weeks and months to come i also say this and i think you know this it's seemingly every time AMD reports the stock sells off for whatever reason, she then typically appears on the squawk box the next day and the stock rallies in kind. My sense is that what we're going to see here. Valuation is reasonable, but I think in terms of setup, you're spot on in the TSM. I think you're going to see this capitulatory selling today, big volume day in TSM. I think you buy this sell off and we'll see what happens in earnings at the end of the month for the rest of these semis. Now brings us to Dan, the chart of the day. And before we get to it, um, we have to look at some of these moves in commodities. But I also tell you, Dan, we're going OT. So in case you folks have an 11 o'clock meeting, shelve it for a few minutes because we're going <laughs> overtime. Anyway, look at some of the moves in some of these commodities over the last year or so. Absolutely staggering moves. What's last on the list? My gold, which is basically flat, which really disappoints me. But you can see what some of these things have done. We have outlined WTI and Brent crude up 83 and 74 percent, respectively. Uh, let's go to our chart because this is something you flagged, Dan, and you were spot on in terms of the crude oil. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, this was one where crude oil and energy stocks, you know, right before the pandemic, were making new lows. We were looking at some of the big integrateds like Exxon and debating whether they were going to have to cut their dividend or not. Now, obviously, these things have had a massive rip. We know that China, um, their reopening went quicker than ours, or they came out of their lockdowns quicker, and some of their industries ding, got ding, going. Ding, 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 ding. Sorry, Dan, that's All the right. top of the hour. No, Please, I, that was, I, I that was my it. sorry, I apologize. I got Please, it. I'm I, sorry. To I got you. you. But, but, you know, so, so crude did what it did. And we saw this after the financial crisis, right? When you see all this fiscal uh, stimulus all over the globe, you know, the reflation trade works well for crude. I'll just say this, is that look at that double top, you know, back to the 2018 highs. I'll let you speak to the next chart. A lot of stuff has to go right in the next couple of months for a meaningful breakout into a new range to kind of develop here. And I just don't think it's going to be as linear as a lot of people think in the back half well, of this year. You know, you flagged, you flagged this chart. This is obviously, you go back, this is a 20-year chart effectively. And this 20-year yeah. chart shows us a 13, one three-year downtrend. The longer the duration, the more powerful the chart. And here we are basically banging up against those levels of that downtrend line. This is where the battle lines are going to be drawn right here at these levels. Who wins 
I would submit, I think maybe we stop here for a minute. I think we're going higher. I think you would say the opposite, but that's what makes markets yeah. stand, Nathan. Well, I'll just say this. It's, it's interesting to think about the equities, the OIH, you know, that the, the drillers, I mean, they're down nearly 18, 19% from their recent highs. The XLE, which we know is Chevron, Exxon, and Schlumberger make up maybe half of the weight of that ETF is down nearly 10%. So we're in correction mode as far as the equity is concerned. And I think once we get by the peak driving season here in the U.S., we might have some U.S. centric investors and strategists maybe thinking a bit differently. And obviously, these Delta variants um, are causing some hiccups as far as um, industry, definitely in the UK. So I think we're likely going to be living with that in parts of the world where they're not as vaccinated as we are. And that might cause some volatility in the crude oil guy. Well, levered oil names have gotten crushed. The names that I mentioned, like a PSX, for example, yeah. is going from 94 to 76 pretty much in a straight line. There is no peak driving season for you, Dan, because you have one of those fancy Mustangs that you plug into like an outlet, right? And then it revs up and then it doesn't matter. I mean, gas can go to $100 guy, a gallon. You don't care. Guy, because there's, yes, nothing, there's nothing fancy about it, buddy. It's just pure American muscle. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. That's, what, right. that's you know what, what we're doing. Listen, I know <laughs> since we're in overtime now, I can kill a little a couple minutes. I will tell yeah. you, peak muscle car in the United States took place somewhere between 1965 and 1969 for you playing our home game. If you really want a muscle car, check out this Chevelle. Unbelievable vehicle. I'm sort of, uh, I fancy a Pontiac GTO 67 before the Endura bumper, but that's me. Don't at me. Next chart. And I want to make this guy <laughs> a star because John Butters is just killing it. And he is the man at FactSet. Well, I'm just going to start calling him Butters because you know what? It's like Cher, Bono, all those types of things. Just Butters. Help me out here, Dan. Yes, is he, he, he is the senior earnings analyst over at FactSet. We get a little preview of his Friday drop, the earnings insight. So check that out. I get it every week. I've been reading it actually for years. It's fantastic. Lots of tidbits here. And we get a little sneak peek and we get to highlight some of, um, you know, some of the trends that he's observing. And this one in particular this week, I think is timely with earnings coming up. And, and, and listen, he says it, despite the uneven global economic recovery, the S&P 500 companies with more international exposure, revenue exposure, are expected to report higher earnings and revenue growth than those with domestic revenue exposure. I think that's really interesting because we're talking about the U.S. Uh, obviously doing better with the vaccines and our reopening than a lot of other parts um, of the world. Guy, I'd ask you this question here. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? Oh, I like for, when you ask me questions. What, I like that. What does it mean for U.S. multinationals that you have this trend that Mr. Butters is highlighting here, but you also have a dollar that's kind of firming a little bit. Thank you. And so feels you like it that. wants to go. Yeah. You see what you did there? Yeah, you I do. See, what I do is I look at this and I synthesize. I don't know how to spell that, but that's what I do. I synthesize. And this to me is what do I think the U.S. dollar is going to do? And this chart, this graph speaks to a weaker dollar. But what have we seen over the last couple of weeks? A dollar that's been going higher, as I mentioned, a hundred times. It's like that Taylor Swift song, Wrecking Ball. The U.S. Yes. dollar going higher is, in fact, a wrecking ball. So if you think the dollar is going to continue to go higher, you might want to take this with a grain of salt. If you think the dollar is going to turn around, this makes a lot of sense. This is backward looking. As you know, I'm not suggesting the work isn't great. It is. But a lot of this is energy stuff. We'll see. I do think the dollar is going to turn here and go lower. And I think that's going to be very supportive of multinationals, which backs up what Mr. Butters has done. Can we sort of summarize what we've done here over the last 16 minutes, Dan? I'll read and you can comment if you want. Larry yeah. Fink, my man, you know, the quadrillion black black stone. No, black rock. Which one is it? It's rock or black stone. Rock. I don't know. Black rock. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding around. I mean, that's what he 
Got to listen to what the man says. J.P. Morgan names Apple a top pick ahead of earnings on the 27th. City capitulates and says, no moss like the boxer. And they upgraded AMD. Chart of the week has to be crude. You brought that to my attention. And Mr. Butters won for the road. Rising revenues. International exposure is important. We'll see what happens with the dollar. Say what you got to say before we thank our sponsors, Dan. Yeah, I just think that, you know, you and I disagree on a lot here, but that's what makes a market. And I think that's what makes at 1046 useful for our viewers. No one wants to be uh, all consensus all the time here. I seem to think that we're going to have um, a, a rate scare below that support that a lot of people thought was maybe it and this uh, downdraft that we've been in. I think that equities are going to follow suit. They just started following suit here and they're due for um, a sharp pullback. And I just don't think Q2 earnings and Q3 earnings guidance is going to be enough to keep this train going. That being said, a 10% pullback in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ might be a very welcome setup for a bang up um, late Q3, Q4 rally for equities. Two great train songs, Train Kept the Rowan, done by Aerosmith. But my personal favorite is Train Train by Blackfoot, one of the great harmonicas of all time. You got Yankee baseball tonight in the Bronx. You got now a best of three in the NBA. I happen to think Phoenix will win. Today's episode has been brought to you by our presenting sponsors, Dan FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, our friends at Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Dan, I'll see you next week, Thursday. What time? 1046, brother. See you later. See you.